that repeated theme in the hymn we just sang is our theme this, this morning as we continue our studies on the pictures and types of Christ in the tabernacle. I'd ask you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 30. I think that you all have a diagram there of the tabernacle. If not, uh, Mr. Brindell is happy to pass one along to you. Exodus chapter 30, reading together verses 17 through 21, Exodus chapter 30, we come to the piece of furniture called the, the laver. Chapter 30, verse 17. Let us listen to God's word. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, or bronze, and his foot also of brass, to wash. And thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, that is the brazen altar that we considered last week. And thou shalt put water therein, for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn, off, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord, so they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not. And it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his seed, throughout their generations. And an interesting uh, additional note is in chapter 38 and verse 8. I don't necessarily have to turn there, but it says that Moses had the laver of brass made, and the foot of it was of brass and notice it was made of the looking glasses, of the glasses or the mirrors of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So they must have had finely polished bronze for their mirrors in those days, so we suppose that glass had not yet been invented, but that was the best that they could do. And uh, no doubt... There are some polished brass. You can pretty well see yourself in that mirror. So we come to the laver of brass. And you see if in your diagram, the Bible indicates that the, the laver was after the brazen altar. The altar was the first uh, piece of furniture as they went into the courtyard. And then you have the laver beyond that. And then you have the tabernacle proper beyond the laver where you have the door of the tabernacle and you go into the holy place which had the, the lamp, uh, the light on the left that lit the room because it would have been completely dark. Um, and that was to continue to light. And the bread, the table of bread was on the right. Then you had the altar of incense before the curtain, before the, the veil. And 
and beyond the veil, which the high priest was only to uh, enter once a year, was the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim uh, um, looking down upon the Ark. That was the most holy or the holy of holies. But we come to the laver. And the one word that, that, that certainly is indicated by the laver is the word cleanse or cleansing. God is, is uh, concerned about our cleansing, our purity, our being washed. Not merely just a physical wash, but this was an emblem of our spiritual cleansing. And the thing that you also note that if they did not wash their hands and their feet, they were they were to die. Now we're not told that any of the priests ever dared to approach the altar of of a fire or to approach the tabernacle itself without washing their hands and their feet. Again, if they did, they were in trouble. That's how important it was for God, to, for, to, God, for them to, to, be, to, to cleanse themselves. There's a picture being given here. Now, as far as the size of the labor, the, the labor was a somewhat of a pool. It was... A bath, if you will. Now we're not told how tall it was. We're not told how, uh, what the circumference was, and how much water would 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 be held. <clears throat> it's interesting. In in Solomon's temple, there was one sea of glass of water, and that was 15 feet in circumference. And we don't know how deep it was, but think of a Pools in western New York. There are people that have have uh, 15-foot pools or 18-foot pools, and they hold a lot of water, a lot of gallons of water. But not only did Solomon's temple have a huge sea called the Sea of Glass, they had ten lavers, and the lavers were quite large, much larger, no doubt, than this, teaching us that. Of, of the gospel age, as it were, and, and uh, of the sufficiency of the gospel to deal with our sins. And Christ is called the fountain open for sin and uncleanness. Zechariah chapter 13. <clears throat> the labor, the bath, the pool, uh, we don't know exactly some of the details. Do they have ladles there? where they could use ladles to wash their... Uh, I don't think that it, they, they dipped their feet in there. They probably just... Now remember that from what we can tell, the priests were barefoot when, when they were ministering. We're not told that they had sandals that had open toes. Um, so their feet would get dirty and bloody as well as their hands. And so it was very practical. And of course, it's only been, what, few hundred years that we realize that washing hands prevents disease. And uh, in the old days, they would just go from one surgery to another without washing their hands. And you can understand the infections and the disease that was spread by their uncleanness. And the Lord certainly knew all about uh, 
infectious diseases and, and, and being clean as being uh, a healthy thing. And if only people would have read the Bible in, in the early days. The, the teaching is that God is holy and man is unholy. God is clean, man is unclean. Remember, it was the leper that was to cry, unclean, unclean. And how often we read in the Bible, wash and make you clean. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. We're, we're dirty. We're filthy. We underestimate the sinfulness of sin. That sin caused God to create a lake of fire. That sin is obnoxious to God. And in many ways, just think about what dirt and filth is to you and me. Is that not abhorrent to you and me if, if you see filth on the ground you see filth uh, in your house for whatever reason the filth of trash the filth of, of vomit you know bus drivers from time to time have to clean vomit from children who are sick and it's a, it's a, a very filthy thing but a necessary thing we have to take the bus and into the wash bay and take a uh, hose and hose it down. They also have powder that you can put on it, but the hose does a much better job to get it out onto the floor and into the into the uh, um, drains. But it's a it's, filth is 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 obnoxious to you and me. And what it, and God sees sin as filth. It's filthy. And if we're honest, we'll realize that we were conceived in filth. We were, we were born in filth. We're, we're filthy sinners. And if that's, if that's offensive to you, then I guess we, we, we've really underestimated the holiness of God and, and, the, and the filth of sin. You've heard the supposed Bible text. It's not. Cleanliness is next to Godliness. That's not a Bible verse, but the truth is that spiritual cleanliness is a mark of godliness. You can't be godly without being cleaned, cleansed from your sin. And so physical hygiene is appropriate. We, I think we all understand that it's healthy and it's a good stewardship of our bodies. But the Lord means to go deeper with this teaching of the labor. It's, it's healthy spiritually to have your sins washed away. It's a good stewardship of your soul to get saved, to be forgiven. I mean, think about God has given you and me a body and a soul to take care of. And we've fallen into sin. We've not been good stewards of our, of our bodies and souls. And a person that refuses to be cleansed by the blood of Christ is saying, my soul, I, I, I don't mind my soul being filthy. And yet so often people have clean bodies, but filthy souls. That was me for 18 years. It's interesting how recently the dirtiest man alive passed away in his 90s. And that's no... Uh, that's no uh, cause for thinking that, that filth is, 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 uh, is longevity. A man in Iran, in his 90s, he hadn't taken a bath for over 60 years. And the people of town made him a little hut to live in. He was just living up on top of a filthy hill. 
and they have pictures of him if you if you're interested in googling it. And I don't know how thick the dirt was on his skin, but they convinced him recently to take his first bath, and I don't know how that went. But he passed away, and now someone in India has the distinction of being the filthiest man alive. He hasn't taken a bath in over 30 years. For whatever reasons, they, whether it be superstitious reasons, reasons or just poor stewardship. Uh, but it just goes to show how, how a man needs a clean body, but the Lord teaches us we need a clean soul. The laver was the second piece of furniture in the tabernacle courtyard. And remember, it was between the altar where the sacrifices were burned and the actual tabernacle itself, which had the holy place and the most holy place. Um, again, there was an unspecified size, but it was all of bronze. The other pieces of furniture had wood overlaid with either bronze or gold. And there's a thought that that you know the, the wood pictured Christ's humanity and the gold his deity. But the fact that the the labor was all of bronze, bronze is is is, is often a, a symbol for something that sustains judgment, fire. Remember, Jesus' feet were like bronze that John saw in Revelation chapter 1. His eyes as a flame of fire, his feet like undefined brass as if they burned in a furnace. And most likely that, that part of the vision of Jesus refers to him being our judge. And the Bible teaches that every one of us are going to give account of ourselves to God. That Jesus is the one sitting on the great white throne from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. Every man according to his works. And so, what is the labor a picture of as far as Christ is concerned? And you can understand that there's 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 debate whether it's referring to several things or just the one point of cleansing. But our focus is on the fact that Christ is for cleansing. How do we have our sins removed? How do we have our souls cleansed? And it's through Christ. He is uh, the one who washes us with His blood. And, and uh, we find that that when they approached the laver, what would they have seen when they approached and saw the, the water that was still? And when they saw the, the polished brass, apparently the very finely polished brass because they were the, the glasses, the looking glasses of the women that were donated early on. People are donating jewelry and glasses and uh, Material for the different clothes, and, and they had more than enough. You remember, and and uh, there were women that could you use my finely polished brass? Oh yes, and and obviously this was one major reason. 
So when you approach this laver, you saw a reflection of yourself. You saw yourself as you are, right? The, the face you could see in the water, and you, you could see your face in the brass, in the, in the polished brass. So there is a thought of, of judgment, of, of self-examination. You could see yourself in the mirror. And just like James uses that picture, when people approach the Word of God, they approach a mirror. And whenever we read God's Word, we see ourselves. We see our pride. We see our unbelief. We see our unkindness. We see our greed and so on. And, and the, James warns us that it's easy to come to a mirror of the Word and just turn around and walk away and you forget what you saw. Most of the time, physically, if you go to a physical mirror and you see your hairs out of place or you see a, a splotch of, of uh, dirt or whatever it might be, we take care of it. You know, we, we straighten our ties or what have you. We deal with what we see is a, is a, a problem, is, is a need. But the Bible warns that so often we can read God's Word and say, you know, I need to really deal with this sin. I need to deal with this problem. I need get right with this person. I need to, to pray more often. And we often turn around and we walk and we forget. We don't address what we see in the mirror. And that labor was, was there to address uncleanness. And when we look at Jesus and we look at His cleanness, His holiness, His purity we recognize we're undone. Even John, a familiar disciple, after he saw Jesus' eyes as a flame of fire and His countenance as the sun shining in its strength and he saw His hair as white like, like snow and like white wool, what does it say? When I saw Him, I fell at His feet as dead. John, a familiar, godly man, yet he knew he was a sinner. And no matter how holy we might be at the time we, we compare ourselves and see Jesus, we have to say, Oh Lord, forgive me of my sins. You know my secret sins. So the priests represent you and me as they washed. They were representing the people. They were representing the people to God as Jesus represents us to God. And, and so the two times that they were to wash their hands and their feet if you notice, was before offering the sacrifice. So they'd have to go past the altar to the laver and then come back to offer the sacrifice. And before they actually entered into the tabernacle, they had to wash. So two particular times especially. And we're not told how they wash, whether they dip their hands or use ladles. or. But the Bible talks about the fact that they had bowls and they had ladles and they had... Um, equipment or china or whatever you call it and there may have been women that were there that, that were washing these things and that were making sure that 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 um, you know maybe the washing the the priest's garments and every day bringing in clean garments we're not told all that information but we are told that the women were outside at the gate of the tabernacle and in the courtyard what were they doing there Many of them were working for the Lord. Many of them were praying. Remember, is it, is it not Anna that was outside the, the temple praying? And it was in the days of Samuel that wicked men violated these, 
these uh, women that were seeking to be spiritual and were judged. Eli's sons were judged for their adultery, smitten and killed. But it, it's just, it's interesting. The Lord is so serious about this. He says, if they don't wash, they'll die. That's how important it is. And, and obviously the, the, the point is, if we aren't saved, we're going to die in our sins. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am, you will die in your sins. And the Lord was bringing that message across. If we die with unclean hearts, if we die unsaved, if we die and we're not true believers, we will die in our sins. We will, we will, we will perish. It's so important to focus on the fact that we're sinners, we're filthy, we're unclean, we need to be forgiven, we need to be saved. And that is certainly a, a message of all, especially the altar of burnt offering in the, in the labor. So, there was the initial cleansing. And so the labor pictures the cleansing of salvation first. An unsaved person needs to be cleansed of his of his original sin and of his present sin. So this cleansing takes place when someone is born again. And remember what Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Now you combine those, but water is, is often a picture not only of the agent of cleansing, but a picture of the Word of God. And so we have to see at least those two things in the labor. You look, into the, you look and see the reflection of the water reflection of your face in the water and we see our face in the scriptures but we also realize that the water is an agent of cleansing like it says in Ephesians 5 that husbands are to be concerned for their spouses and all of us for each other by using the washing of water by the word being concerned to teach the word husbands are to teach their spouses and children we're to have family worship we're to be opening the mirror of God's Word so that we prepare ourselves and prepare our, our spouses and children for eternity. Every day, seeing that we have a need of cleansing and by the washing of water by the Word. So you see the responsibility. But it speaks of initial cleansing. But it was right after the altar. So what's the picture too? The altar succeeds. Jesus' death causes us to be clean. Jesus' death causes us to be clean. It was right after that they no doubt not only cleansed their hands and feet before, but even after. Obviously after. They're bloody. They're, they're dirty. But, and before they went into the tabernacle. But the point is the initial cleansing. The Bible talks about the washing of regeneration in Titus chapter 3. Now, another interesting thought is that the sacrifices were washed. That's a picture of the fact that Jesus was, not that Jesus was a sinner and He needed cleansing, but it pictures that the offering was absolutely pure in being offered on that altar. And Jesus was inspected before He died on Calvary. Pilate said over and over again, I find no fault in this man. No fault in this man. No fault. In other words, God is using Pilate to say, this is a pure offering. Jesus had no sin of His own. He was absolutely sinless. 
but he took our sins upon him when he was dying on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus in John chapter 13, interestingly, washes the feet of his disciples. And Peter, whether it was a mixture of pride and, and uh, ignorance, he said, don't wash me. You know, he was trying to show some respect. You're the master and you're washing my feet? Kind of like John said, I have a need to be baptized by you and you want me to baptize you? But the Lord makes an interesting statement. He said, all that are bathed need not accept to cleanse their feet. In other words, Peter said, wash me, you know, don't bathe me. But Jesus says, you're already bathed. In other words, you're already saved. You've already had the initial cleansing, but you need your feet washed all the time, daily. The picture is, you're already saved. You don't have to be saved over and over and over and over again, but you need your feet washed. Now, it's very difficult for us in our society to think about foot washing. We don't, we don't wear open sandals, mostly. But you can understand it on, at seashores. They have showers all over the place and we're places where you can wash your sandals and wash your feet so you're not carrying sand into your hotel or, or into your vehicles. We understand that part of it. But Jesus was teaching a spiritual lesson that Christians don't need to be saved over and over again. You have this false teaching and this discouragement to people that if I sin, then i got to be saved all over again. No, Jesus says... You've already been bathed. What you need is washing away of your daily sin. But this lay, lay, the laver spoke of the, the initial cleansing of a person being saved. When the Lord takes away our original sin and implants a new heart, and through Christ alone, He's the laver that we're saved. And as we think about the altar being first, we come to Calvary, for our sins were dealt with at Calvary, but also we come to Christ for the forgiveness of those sins that were dealt with at Calvary. We need to be washed of our sins. We need to be born of the Spirit of God. We can, we can go to the laver and say, I'm dirty and I need to be clean. I need to be saved. For anyone hearing this message today, if you're not a believer, you're unclean. Your heart is, is dirty. And look to Jesus, the laver, to wash away your sins. He died on the cross of Calvary. And because of His death, you can have your, your heart washed. Just like it says in Ezekiel 16, I came and saw you as a baby wallowing in blood. A parent just leaving a baby. This happens all the time. A parent leaving a baby after it's born. Throwing in a trash compactor or, or a, a bin or leaving it just on the road. And the Lord says, that's what you were like. And I picked you up and washed you with clean water. And that's what we need. We need the initial cleansing of salvation. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was unclean, but now I'm clean. I've come to the laver and I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It says in Revelation 1.5, Jesus loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. The one who was sinless and clean 
Hebrews 10 tells us about the bodies that were washed in pure water. Again, it's a picture of Jesus. That the sacrifices were washed. And so what was laid on that altar was a clean sacrifice. That's Jesus, our clean sacrifice. But He died for us unclean sinners. What a Savior. Have you gone to the laver? Have you had your sins washed away? Jesus is clean. And Jesus' blood, I know it sounds strange, doesn't it? His blood cleanses us from all sin. His is the blood that doesn't stain. His is the blood that cleanses. Secondly, you not only have the initial cleansing, you have the cleansing of sanctification, daily cleansing. This is going on daily, not just initially. Christians need cleansing. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, that's continual. If we're continuing to confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to be cleansing us from all unrighteousness. That's the picture of the labor. The priests washing after their sacrificing. The priests washing before they're entering into the temple. And again, there is a fountain open for our sin and uncleanness. It's not just that Jesus died, but that He died and His death atones for us not only initially when we're born again, but every day we're pleading His blood. We're seeing that it's a fountain that's open. It's, it's clean. And it, and it continues to cleanse all who approach Him. Again, John 13, He that is bathed needeth not except to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean. Jesus is saying, you don't need a bath anymore if you're saved, but you need to be cleansed. You need your feet washed. You need your hands washed. You need your heart washed every day. And that's why it's important for you and me to be confessing our sins and not wait till next week to confess. You can remember as a as an as a idolater, just waiting until Saturday afternoon to go to the confession booth. No man can take away my sins. The Bible says we should confess our faults one to another, but that's not that we're seeking forgiveness and cleansing by each other. But it's saying that we, we love one another, and if we've offended each other, we, we ask forgiveness. And, and, and if we're having struggles about certain sins, we, we ask our brother and sister to pray for us to help us overcome these things. But it's the blood of Jesus that washes us. Baptism is a symbol of cleansing. The water doesn't cleanse us. We understand that. The water is a picture of Jesus' blood. Baptism doesn't wash away initial sin. Baptism of an infant. And baptism doesn't wash away any sins. If People are baptized over and over and over and over again as if They need their sins washed away every day. No, it's a picture. The water's a picture. It's a picture of the agents of cleansing. The blood of Jesus. The Word of God is the water of the Word. You and I need the Word of God to show us our sins. Sometimes we just don't see the dirt, the filth. If we're not looking in the mirror. How many times has my wife will say... uh, have you seen that blotch that you've been? Have you been carrying that every? All, you see that blotch on your shirt? Have you been wearing that all day long? I didn't look in the mirror. I didn't see it. But you know, you look in the mirror and and you see the filth. And even even you have to look sometimes close. 
Are you looking closely in the Word? Are you letting the Word be a mirror to your soul? A mirror to your heart? Lord, show me my sin that I might confess it. I want to be clean. Because the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Your sins are separated between you and your God, Isaiah says. So, the labor speaks of progressive sanctification. Not only initial salvation, but it's Christ is the place where we, we continue to grow. We need cleansing in order for us to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. The labor is a place of reflection, self-reflection. What do you say, Lord, am I right with you? Is there any sin that, you, that you're offended at? What are my secret sins? Lord, I want to be washed. I want to be cleansed. Remember the Word, it says, the entrance of Your Word gives light. Thy Word is a lamp to my feet. And so they could see the reflection from the water and the, and the bronze. But the interesting too, the bronze speaks of the fact that there's real dealing with my sin when I confess it. Like the bronze was able to sustain the fire of the altar of burnt sacrifice. Jesus is the judge and He sustained the, uh, he sustained the judgment. He felt the judgment. He endured the judgment. He, he made sacrifice for my sins. And so as I approach Jesus, I know that He has the power to forgive me because He died for me. And I see Him in His feet like unto, like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. Lord Jesus, cleanse me. You're my judge. You know what my sins are. And the sins that I don't know about, please wash me. So we're not afraid of Him being our judge because He's been judged for us. And a believer that doesn't approach Jesus on a daily basis, we're risking communion with God. We're, we're risking God being a distance from us. Sin harms us. Sin, har- sin harms our relationships. The Bible teaches that, and there's an interesting verse again in, in 1 John, how cleansing not only affects our walk with God, but cleansing affects our communion with one another. It says, um, verse 7 of 1 John 1, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see the connection? Fellowship with one another and cleansing. In other words, we improve our relationship with each other if we have our sins being washed daily. What can mar our relationship with each other is, and we all know that, if you and I are not reading our Bibles and praying and confessing our sins, people are going to know it very soon. They're going to know it by our impatience. They're going to know it by our meanness. They're going to know it by our lack of concern about people. Because sin is... They're going to see our faces as the mirror sees our faces. They see that we, something's wrong. We're, we're less Christ-like than we were before. That's why it's so important to be clean to be clean, to be cleansed every day, to walk with God every day. It will improve our relationships with each other. Fellowship one with another. You see how it's, it's, it's interrelated. Fellowship with God, fellowship with one another, cleansing from our sin. It all goes together. And of course, the ones that are close to us are going to see it first, aren't they? And sometimes we 
we might kindly say to each other, when's the last time you read your Bible? <laughs> or how's your prayer life been? And, and your loved one is, is maybe being sarcastic, but they're right. What they're saying is, I'm, there's, something, there's something wrong, isn't there? And we say to each other, we need to get back to our prayer stumps, don't we? We need to get back to prayer. We need to be cleansed daily of our sins. I just want to mention thirdly the cleansing of communion. The labor was before the tabernacle, before they went into the holy place and and sensed Christ, the light of the world and the bread of life and the mediator between God and men and and God Himself in the Holy of Holies. It's an interesting thing that when that temple veil ripped from top to bottom, Hebrews tells us that the, the, the curtain was a picture of Jesus' body. And when, the, when Jesus died, the curtain ripped, opened the way for us to have full communion with God. No common person could ever go into the Holy of Holies. No common priest could go in, only the high priest. And it's only Jesus that can take us right into the presence of God. But he had to die to do so. But it's saying that before those priests dared to go into that Holy of Holies, they need to be cleansed. And it's just, again, saying that you and I, if we want to be close to Christ, if we want to be closer to God, if we want to see Jesus, the light of the world, revealing His truth to us and the bread of life, fulfilling our souls, hunger and thirst, bringing our petitions to God as our altar of incense, if we want to be closer to God, we've got to be clean. We've got to be cleansed. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the door. But it's the only ones that can approach that door are the ones that are clean. I mean, the only ones that can go through that door are the ones that are cleansed. And the only ones that can be inside that doorway, inside that ark, inside the sheepfold, Inside the tabernacle, Jesus is the one tabernacled among us or those that are clean. Your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear you. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. If I wash you not, you have no part with me, Peter. He's saying there's no one that's ever been regenerated that isn't sanctified. Sanctification is a proof of your regeneration. And it's also saying sanctification is necessary for fellowship. Remember what he told those who had an unforgiving spirit? You come to worship God, leave your gift. In other words, pause your worship and go back and get right with the person that you've offended. Then come back and worship God. And it's interesting how Peter, you can see Peter, he goes from one extreme to the other. Don't wash me. Then he says, Wash my head, wash my body, wash my feet, wash it off. And that's when Jesus said, no, Peter, you don't need to be bathed over again. He was telling him, you're saved, Peter. But you need to be washed. And Jesus is the one that washes our feet, He washes our hands. Like David said, you desire truth in the inward parts. You desire my heart to be clean, Lord. The Bible talks about, as I can close this morning, there's a generation that is not washed from their filthiness. Whether it be religious or irreligious people, there are religious people that are seeking to find salvation by works, by wishful thinking, 
any way but through Christ. They're still filthy. And there are those that aren't religious that just are enjoying their filth, like that man for 60 years who didn't take a bath. Him that is filthy, let him be filthy still, Revelation tells us. And it's a sad thing that people... And didn't we love our sins? Didn't we love the things that we now hate and we hated the things we now love? But there are people that dare to die still filthy, still loving their sins. And the Bible tells us that in hell He lifted up His eyes being in torments. If you wash not, you'll die in your sins. But, wash and be clean. It's that simple. Get to Christ the laver. Wash and be clean. Wash and be clean. Let's not be like people that just just robotically confess their sins and have no repentance and no heart. They're, the Bible explains them in 2 Peter 2, verse 22, be like the dog. You give it a bath. How often did that happen? We had a golden retriever. Well, twice I've had golden. Give the dog a bath. And, you, and it goes out and shakes and gets, the, gets the, the water off. And it's not long before he finds some excrement of a of an animal out in the woods or in the backyard and rolls in it and the whole side of the dog is now filthy again because it's a dog. It's never been changed. You wash a dog and it's still a dog. But we're washed. If sinners are washed, sinners are saints. Sinners become saints. And let's not be like the pig that Peter also illustrated that is washed and returns to his wallowing in the mud. You and I, if we're washed in the blood of the Lamb, will not return. No, may, we may fall. We may backslide, but we won't return permanently to the mud. We won't permanently return to the vomit. But we are so thankful to be clean. We want to please God. We want to be holy. Second Corinthians, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Be ye clean, ye that bear the vessels of the Lord. Christ for cleansing. Lord, thank You for the Gospel that is so clear about the death of Jesus succeeding to save sinners. I thank Thee that He, the clean one, died for us unclean ones that we might be clean that we might be justified Lord Jesus give us more and more desire for holiness we can't deceive thee oh God may we not be merely washed dogs and sows oh Lord we're now washed from our sins and children of God believers in the Lord Jesus who are blind and now we see, who are lost and now found, who are unclean but now are clean. We don't want to go back to the old life, Lord. Forgive our sins. Help us every day to seek cleansing. Lord, we even thank You for the Lord's Supper that reminds us of where our cleansing originates. It's through the, the cross. It's through the blood. Lord, You want us to remind, to remember that we need to be cleansed. We need to remember the death of our Savior that saves us and 
and sanctifies us and will ultimately cause us to be glorified and one day sinless forever and ever. Lord, we desire to be so. Help us to be ever so careful that when we do fall, that we'll quickly plead the blood, go to the laver, and be washed from our sins. We pray in, in Jesus' name. Praise the Heavenly Father for His precious blood. Amen.